welcome on in to the Superintendent Radio Network and episode 28 of Beyond the Page. Beyond the Page is the podcast that takes you a little deeper into some of the stories and columns in Golf Course Industry Magazine. And I'm Matt Lowell, your host and also the managing editor of Golf Course Industry. I'm joined today by America's Greenkeeper, Matthew Wharton. Matthew wrote his column for the March issue of the magazine, which will be online later this week and in your actual physical mailboxes not too long after that, about what golf means to him. The headline is Golf Is, the headline inspired by John Riley on Twitter at Turf Monkey Boy. Great follow. Matthew somehow found a way to weave in Walt Whitman, I am large, I contain multitudes, just a few paragraphs from the Golf Heritage Society, which made its GCSAA conference and trade show debut last month. A great column, as always, and a fun conversation. As always, Matthew never disappoints. Always great to talk with him. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Before we get to that, a quick word from the sponsor of Beyond the Page, and that is CPRO. Turf plant growth regulators are a critical tool in keeping every golf course in top-notch condition. They not only help to reduce clippings on warm and cool season grasses throughout the season, they also help manage and enhance Poa Annua to enhance the overall turf quality and the conditions of the course. CPRO provides industry-leading turf plant growth regulators like Cutlass and Legacy and Musketeer to the golf industry, along with disease, weed, and aquatic management solutions. Their full lineup of products works hard to ensure your course is consistently looking its best. Visit them at cpro.com, that's S-E-P-R-O dot com, to learn more. America's Greenkeeper, Matthew Wharton, after the break. Live from a hotel room in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is only going to become a better day for you, because right now you have to talk with me, but soon you're going to be out on the golf course getting to play. <laughs> you, know that, you know, that's right, man. I'm, um, I'm in Raleigh for the uh, uh, our Carolina Superintendent Association. Uh, we're, we're in the middle of our Southeast Regional Conference. It's, a, it's probably my favorite chapter meeting that we have every year, and this is the first time we've had this meeting in three years. The 2020 and 2021 versions were canceled due to COVID. So it's it's been since March of 2019 that we had this meeting. And the cool thing about this event is uh, we do a two-person best ball golf event on Monday, and then Tuesday's a, a full day of education that's usually uh, put on by the USGA Green Section. And so uh, it's just awesome to finally kind of be back with some friends and and uh, have a chance to just reconnect. Uh, we're we're going to play golf today at the Lonnie Pool Golf Course. The uh, oh, host superintendent is Brian Green, mm-hmm. who is one of our uh, members of the board of directors of the Carolina Superintendent Association. So he's our host today, and uh, just uh, just excited for the opportunity to to be able to do this once again because it's been a while. And I would say that you probably would get the chance to see a lot of the folks who are going to be at this meeting at the Carolina show, but 
if loyal listeners of the podcast remember, or if they were at the show themselves, you did not attend Myrtle Beach this year, and then obviously the 2020 show was canceled, so it's been just as long for you and the Carolina show, so this is really the first time in, in a long time that you've seen quite a few of these folks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, I wasn't able to attend the, attend the Carolina show. I did go to the GCSAA out in San Diego, but my, my time out there was, was, was cut cut brief just a little bit, So, um, and not as many folks from the Carolinas made that trek, but um, yeah, looking forward to today. My my partner for golf today is Trent Bouts. Oh, one of our favorites. Love Trent Bouts. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. So, Well, tell him we say hello. <clears throat> Please. Will do. Will do. Now, you mentioned that you did get to San Diego, the 2022, whew, deep breath, GCSAA conference and trade show. I think some people are trying to call it GCATS, which, I don't know, we'll see if that catches on in his acronym. And you mentioned in your March column, Golf is uh, the Golf Heritage Society, formerly known as the Golf Collectors Society. You even mentioned that they were in booth 2059. And I know we'll talk about a few things on the podcast today, but a lot of your column does focus on what golf means to various people, but you do write a lot about the Golf Heritage Society. Now, you are a big-time golf historian. You have a bag of, of classic clubs, and, and obviously working on a Donald Ross course, you have tremendous appreciation for the history of the game, but it feels like this, this hits pretty deep for you, the, what the Golf Heritage Society does. Well, well you know, the, the funny thing about it is, it's like, it would be easy for one to just assume, based on everything you just said, thank you, those are mighty kind words, and <clears throat> way too elaborate, but... Um, you know, most people would would hear all that and probably think, "Oh, I've been a member for a long, a long time," and that's actually not the case. I I didn't join the Golf Heritage Society until January one of twenty twenty one. So I've basically just been a member for a year, and it was all kind of brought about. By, you know, I, I guess during the whole first year of the pandemic, as uh, you know. You didn't, there wasn't much to do if you weren't at work, you know, it was either work or at home. So um, I kind of got deeper involved into into some of my reading, and, and uh, you know, I, I collect books, I collect clubs. Um, thing is, is you can collect anything. I mean, you know, some people collect balls, some people collect pencils, some people collect ball markers. Any you know anything that people have an interest in, you know they can collect, and essentially all the Golf Heritage Society is. It's just a group of individuals that have a deep love for the game of golf, and and a deep love for kind of hanging on to and collecting things uh, associated with the game. And uh, so, not necessarily everything has to be of a historical significance. Again, again, they were originally known as the Golf Collectors Society. They recently renamed uh, Heritage Society. But, uh, you know, I wrote a column sometime in the past um, where I had used the term that being a golf course superintendent was kind of like being a curator of a museum. You know? And so I kind of had that phrase in the back of my mind as I was writing Golf Is as it relates to this 
Golf Heritage Society, and this was the first time they were ever at the GCSA conference and show. Um, it was bizarre. I remember I have their website uh, bookmarked on my iPad, and I'll, I'll look at it you know, a couple times a week just to see if there's an update or something. And, um, and then we get a quarterly magazine, which the quarterly magazine is full of some great, great stuff, great stories, great content. And there was a blurb in there about they were going to be at the show. And my, my first thought was, I was like, but they've been at the show all this time and I've missed them. You know, it was, I, let, I kind of was left sort of questioning myself, like, how have I missed these people if they've been at the show all these years? And it come to find out they had, they had not. This was the first time they'd ever exhibited. So I thought that was kind of cool. And I just made a point to reach out to a couple of the individuals in advance to let them know, hey, I'm a superintendent, I'm a new member, and I think it's cool you're going to be at the show, so I want to come by and say hello. And and, uh, the fact that Mel was there, you know, Mel Lucas Jr. is a second-generation superintendent. He's a past president of the GCSAA, and he's written a really cool book on the history of greenkeeping. And uh, uh, So it was just uh, an awesome opportunity to to get to meet Mel in person, shake his hand, and uh, you know, just put some put some faces with some names. What was it, Matthew? Obviously, you said that January first, twenty twenty one, it was still peak pandemic, and there wasn't a whole lot necessarily to go out and do. Was it just the timing of the pandemic, or or was it finally? I've been in this game for decades and decades this is in line with my interests. Why have I not been a part of this already? Or, wh- or what was it that, that finally prompted you to join last year? I think the second thing is, is kind of the biggest part, but you know, part of it too is the society of Hickory golfers. Uh, they formed just a little over 20 years ago. And, and it was kind of, I guess you might kind of categorize them as a breakaway group of the original golf collector society, but, but it's not really that they're a breakaway group. Uh, it's not like they ever left. They just kind of said, hey, we're going to go do our Hickory thing over here. And so I had joined, I had finally joined the Society of Hickory Golfers in 2020, just just before the pandemic hit. And that was sort of a byproduct of, okay, I've had these clubs for about four or five years now. You know, maybe it's time I'll, I'll join. And maybe as a byproduct of that, you know, it, it might introduce me to some other folks that have the same level of enthusiasm and you know because for the most part it's just been me playing by myself at, at Carolina Golf Club and as a member of the Society of Hickory Golfers we received two of the four quarterly publications that the Golf Heritage Society published and so after you know having access to those first two I was just kind of like well shoot I'd, I'd just like to get them all so um I just decided I was I was just gonna go ahead and break down and, and join. And it's very affordable. It's like it's like fifty dollars. So, you know, and they do have a. I mean, the collector, you know, the heritage side. They they have they have meetings, conventions, uh, shows. Um, granted, I think a lot of that's been paused due to the pandemic. But still, they did have a national convention last fall in Pittsburgh that I think was well attended and. Uh, and stuff, uh, but it, it coincided with my trip to Scotland, so I was doing my own heritage. 
thing <laughs> last year. No, anyway. no offense to them or Pittsburgh, but if you can go to Scotland, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But um, but no, I just think uh, I, I just kind of thought you know more than likely there's probably a lot of superintendents out there just like me that didn't know the group existed. But you know, it, it's funny how sometimes you know a lot of private clubs may have a club historian, uh, which might just be uh, a member that's been you know a, a second or third generation member, or or maybe they actually have a person on staff. But by and large, most most golf courses and most facilities don't have a quote-unquote historian. But if a superintendent is there with, uh, with perhaps a significant uh, level of tenure, odds are that person, he or she, knows more about that golf course and about the history of that golf course than anybody else does on the property. So it, could, it just kind of seems like a natural fit. You know, we're, we're, we're sort of like a maybe a de facto historian of the facilities we manage. And, uh, you know, here's a group that just kind of plays into that. And so if you have a budding interest or you know, like to collect things, then, hey, you know, look them up and see if it's for you. And, you know, if it is, I'm, I'm sure they'd love to have you. I wonder if you're trying to get a discount on your 2023 membership by trying to bring in new folks. You mentioned a, a, a few folks by name. Uh, with the Golf Heritage Society, including President Bern Bernanke, if you had a chance to talk with him, and, may, and maybe you don't know, I don't know, but does it sound like uh, from them that maybe there are more turf pros, superintendents, directors of agronomy, otherwise, um, joining their ranks in recent years? Is this a trend, or are you kind of a, an outlier, do you think? Uh, I don't know that I'm necessarily an outlier, but when I got a, the chance to meet with them at their booth uh, at the trade show and, and, and speak with them, uh, you know, it was Mel Lucas was sort of the driving force behind them being at the uh, trade show. But that was the the reason for it was they felt like this this is a logical connection, so they were there to to try to entice fellow superintendents to, to join their ranks uh, because they, they feel like we're a perfect fit. And I feel like you were in spirit a member of the society even before you were an on-paper member. But has anything changed for you in the last year and change that you've been a member of the Gulf Heritage Society or the last five years since you've really, really dived into woods, uh, I'm sorry, in, into hickories? Has anything changed in the way you approach the game and the way you approach your work and the way you see um, your course or, or other courses when you're able to travel or, or am I reading too much into this, Matthew? <laughs> no, I don't think you're reading too much into it, but I mean, you know, the biggest thing that's probably happened in the last four or five years with me is just I put so much more focus on uh, the ground game. Hmm. Uh, you know, modern golf is played through the air and, and don't get me wrong, it, it it's fun. I still enjoy, you know, flushing a seven iron and, you know, seeing it fly through the air, but, um, and carrying the, you know, the distance or, or, or clearing, clearing a hazard, or excuse me, bunker, I guess hazards don't exist anymore. I roll emoji, but, um, you know, the thing is I look at, uh, I look at my membership. There's gosh, there's so many, there's so many folks at my club that love the game of golf, but do not play it at a high level. 
And so when we can get the ground firm, uh, you know, it makes it a little easier for them. Uh, it's been a struggle of late. <laughs> Carolina Golf Club had over uh, had over 4.3 inches of rain just this past week. Good uh, yeah, it's it's been kind of a crazy spell here of late. But, you know, when we can get the ground firm, it really makes for more pleasant and pleasurable uh, golfing experience for those folks. It just They don't hit it as high. They don't hit it as far. And uh, I really try to focus my attention and my effort there because I know that, you know, it's, it's helping – the greater majority. This round today at Lonnie Pool, first time you've seen a lot of folks in, like you said, three years. You're you're playing with Trent Bouts, one of our favorite folks. How much is your membership and, and the Golf Heritage Society in general going to be a topic of conversation, or do you think you'll be able to uh, to quell the the conversation and go elsewhere for a little bit? Oh, I'm sure that the main topic of conversation today will be all about the uh, Virginia Tech ACC tournament. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, uh, I mean, we're we're in Raleigh, North Carolina, so that's the heart of Tobacco Road. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, uh, yeah, I've, um, I've had a big smile on my face since I got here. I did not know this until I moved down to North Carolina out of college and covered high school and college sports for about three years. I had an idea of how big the ACC tournament used to be. It's still big, but not like it used to be. Like TVs, TVs on the big metal racks like you used to have when substitute teachers came in and you would watch a video. Those were wheeled into classrooms for the early games of ACC tournaments. Did you ever get that? Or, or was that not a Virginia thing? Was that only a Carolina thing? Well, you know, so I grew up in the far southwest corner of Virginia. And I was t- uh, I was telling some friends this last night. I said, <clears throat> we grew up in the far southwest corner of Virginia. So we were, we were kind of in the shadows of Blacksburg and sort of the heart of, of Hokie territory. But Virginia Tech was not a member of the ACC. And... Oh, um, okay. So when basketball season rolled around, you know, you you wanted Virginia Tech to be to have some success, but you never saw them on television at all. And um, so if you called a game, you called it on the radio. And so the basketball, the college basketball that you watched, you watched the ACC. We 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 grew up living and breathing ACC basketball, and you just you had for somebody else. I grew up a fan of the North Carolina Tar Heels. I just admired Dean Smith, and I, I loved his team, and, and as a byproduct of being a Tar Heel fan as a, as a child, I you know I was not a fan of, of Duke and Krzyzewski, so uh, for, for, for my alma mater to send him out with a, with a loss, <laughs> I, I, t- I take great pride in that. But uh, I mean, yeah, ACC basketball was was huge uh, in Virginia, you know, um, and so I don't remember I don't remember the TVs getting roll, rolled in, wheeled into the classrooms, but I can remember coming home on that Friday and getting off the bus and going into my grandparents' house, and the games were already on, and you know, we watched we watched all the games, and we never we never missed one on Raycom for decades. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
WDBJ7 out of Roanoke. I only covered one tournament. I don't even remember who won that tournament. I was working so much and writing so many stories, but uh, that was one that was in Charlotte. But that would have been 2007 or eight. I don't remember who won that one. Yeah, neither do I. Did you ever get to go to one, or were you always working? Believe it or not, I've never attended an ACC uh, tournament. Never have. You know. Maybe in retirement. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. On the bottom so. list. Anything else that you want to talk about before you get ready for this round today? I know you've got a little bit of time, but you know, want to want to give you enough time well, if, you, if if you need to get into the plus fours and the flat cap and all that stuff. No, no, no. no. Uh, I have a flat cap. Whether or not I'll wear it today, I don't know. But uh, I, I want to give a shout out to John Riley. Uh, I think a lot of you know down at the Longboat Key Club. Yeah. Um, yeah, the title of this column this month is, is "Golf Is," and I think most people would hear those words and see those words in print and immediately think of John, uh, aka Turf Monkey Boy, on Twitter, and uh, because that that's really his thing. And uh, you know when I was when I kind of had the idea for the column, one of the first things I did was I, I reached out to John and I called him and I said, Hey, I, this is kind of what I'm thinking about writing. You know, I wanted to get your, get your thoughts. And he's like, by all means, man, go for it. He goes, you know, it, it doesn't belong to me. And I'm like, well, yeah, I get that. But still, <clears throat> excuse me. I, uh, I just wouldn't feel right. Just, just putting that out there without talking to him first. And, uh, you know, he shared, um, a great quote from Walt Whitman, uh, you know, that I think just sums up perfectly uh, the vastness that golf is. And I think that's what John tries to convey with, with everything that he shares on Twitter. And, uh, you know, part of the column was, was talking about, you know, it's not just this group of people that are really interested in the past and the history of the game and collecting things. You know, there's we've got this group of uh, folks that are really interested in the history of the game and collecting artifacts and so forth. But you know, I also I'm a, I made the pilgrimage to Godill Park, and um, you know, I think most people that know anything of Goat Hill, they, they probably know it through social media. Uh, Matt Janella has been a big mm-hmm. person, a, a you know, big proponent of, or promoter of Goat Hill Park, and and this <clears throat> what it means to the community in um, of Oceanside, California. And we went up there to, to play it, and uh, me and my wife, and we got randomly paired up with uh, two industry folks from Bayer, so that was kind of cool. And, um, I mean, what a cool place, what a cool vibe, just unlike anything I'd ever seen or experienced. You know, it's an 18-hole golf course. It's par 65, um, and... I mean, we saw young, old, male, female. We saw dogs on leash. We saw dogs off leash. We had the red hot chili peppers blaring from the speakers off the, around the clubhouse. I mean, it was just a laid back vibe. It, it, you know, you, it, I kind of felt like, you know, we were in a sort of a surf culture, but on a golf course. And I mean, it was it was different than anything I'd ever experienced, but it was so cool. And um, you know, the, the thing about golf is, it's like golf can be so many different things to so many different people. And, and I think that's one of the cool things about the game is that 
know, it doesn't it doesn't just have to be hickories and plus fours. You know, it doesn't have to be three hundred and forty yard drives and pro B ones. And it doesn't have to be a one strap bag over your back with uh persimmons and blades. It, it it's all of it and more. Uh, and uh, I, I think I just I really like the, the message that John's trying to promote, and I just kind of wanted to help share it and, uh, and and maybe highlight a couple of examples that that kind of show two ends of the spectrum and just how wide and how vast that spectrum uh, is. Yep, the Walt Whitman quote that you include that uh, I think John probably mentioned to you is, I am large, I, I contain multitudes, and golf is large, golf contains multitudes. That's the... One of the points I mean, you were making in the column, obviously, and uh, yeah, I mean that, that, it, that's it, it in a whole right. nutshell. Yeah. That's it in a whole nutshell. Um, you know, and, and and it's funny. There's there's so many groups that are forming right now uh, in and around the game of golf. I, I mean, some of them I think had started before the pandemic, but I think the pandemic might have kind of lended itself to. You know, you've got these 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 groups, these uh, so-called the clubhouse in the cloud groups. And, um, and it's just basically, you know, it's, it's like-minded folks finding a way to come together and share their love and passion for the game of golf and in the way that, uh, you know, they enjoy it. Well, whatever golf is to you who are listening, it can be anything because golf is large. Golf contains multitudes. You don't need me to tell you that. You don't need Matthew Wharton to tell you that. You don't even need Walt Whitman to tell you that. But, Matthew, always great to talk with you. I'm so glad you're able to hang out with a lot of folks from the state chapter. And uh, hope you have a great round. Well, thanks, Matt. It was a pleasure talking with you, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Matthew Wharton for taking some time to go beyond the page. Thanks to our sponsor, CPRO, which provides industry-leading turf plant growth regulators like Cutlass Legacy and Musketeer to the golf industry along with Disease Weed and Aquatic Management Solutions, whose full line of products works hard to ensure your course is consistently looking its best, and who is available online at cpro.com. And my thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts on the Superintendent Radio Network. New episodes of Off the Course, Greens with Envy, Tartan Talks, Beyond the Page, Real Turf Techs, and Wonderful Women of Golf drop just about every Tuesday. If you subscribe to this feed, you will get at least six podcasts every month. Our March issue will be online later this week at www.golfcourseindustry.com slash magazine. It includes Matthew's column. It includes Guy Cipriano's cover story about almost a dozen courses across Louisiana and Mississippi. It includes my story about twin assistant superintendents up in Vermont and so much more. Even more stories and news are available in our fast and firm email newsletter that's delivered every Tuesday to your inbox. You can sign up directly on our homepage at www.golfcourseindustry.com. Golf Course Industry is produced by Guy Cipriano and me, Matt Lowell. Our columnists are incredible Terry Buchan, Henry DeLozier, Brad Lance Klein, Tim Morgan, and, of course, Matthew Wharton. We have some fantastic regular contributors, too. Trent Bouts, Tyler Bloom, Lee Carr, Ron Furlong, Judd Spicer, John Torciello, Anthony Williams, and Rick Wolfold. Our publisher is Dave Zai. Russ Warner is our national sales manager. 
Jim Blaney designs the magazine. Caitlin Sellers and Amanda Cafardi make sure everything goes where it should. Christina Warner makes sure you all receive the magazine. Kelly Antle makes sure we all get paid. That's important. Irene Sweeney does everything and more. Our IT team includes Anna Kolar, Cody Minnick, Tom Bauman, Brock Andorada, and Patrick Briol. Our president is Chris Foster. Above all else, we could not do what we do without you. Thanks so much for listening for life. Thank you.